Welcome to The Light of the World. Do you remember the first time you heard the gospel presented to you? You may have been a small child or you may have been an adult. There are various ways that people present the gospel to us. Jesus used a very simple approach. He just said, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Jesus Christ came so we can have eternal life, and he also came so that we can continue to grow and be transformed into his likeness. He also came so that we can have eternal life in the future, but also have an abundant life today. Listen closely to today's message that will help you to receive Christ if you don't know him and grow in Christ if you belong to him. Come and go with us as we look at the simple gospel and how to continue to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. If you've been waiting for 30 years knowing that you were born to be a preacher, and that you would only have three years to get the message out, what would your first sermon be? You've been waiting, and you only have a short time. What are you going to preach about first when it's your turn to come up to the pulpit and have your first sermon? Since you had all that time to prepare, will you give us a 12-point outline and let us know how much you know about the Word? And how intimate you've been with the Lord? Would you tell us all about your relationship with the Lord? Will you need five minutes or 50 minutes to get this message across? I want us to take a look at Jesus Christ, the most effective preacher there's ever been. And we want to see how he began his ministry and what message he used for his first sermon. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 14. Here's Mark writing about Jesus and his observations about the Lord and what he heard about Jesus and what Jesus said to him and through him. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That was it. Can I get an amen? Jesus was well aware of the fact that he had about three years to get his message out and to accomplish all the things that God had purposed for him. Those of us who are in ministry, and some of you are and will be, we are invited as guest speakers sometimes to go speak in different places for different occasions. But we are well served to, first of all, understand how much time we have to deliver the message that God has given us. In fact, when I'm invited to speak someplace, I always ask this question, how much time do I have? So if I've got 10 minutes, I don't want to spend the first eight of them giving honor to everybody. So if I've got 10 minutes, then I need to get right to it. So if we're unaware of the time, we can and we often will squander the opportunity that we have to minister. Jesus never wasted time. He never wasted effort. And he had a purpose for everything he did. So his first message was simple. It was time sensitive. And it was a salvation 
message. It was simple, it was time sensitive, and it was a salvation message. The message was simple. Mark and Matthew summarized what he preached in a couple of sentences. They said that. He proclaimed the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. There is a lesson in this passage for us if we're going to be effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to, first of all, simplify the message. If we're going to be an effective witness, we want to simplify the message. Just because you know a lot about the scriptures and about God, it doesn't mean the person that you're talking to have that kind of understanding. If you're going to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ, the simpler your message is, the better. You don't have to be complex. Don't walk up to a complete stranger who don't know Jesus Christ and ask him, is he interested in eschatology? Do you want to speak to him about that? Because that's important. It is important, but not to him. Keep the message simple. Don't overwhelm the listener with too much information. God knows how to take a few simple words and prick the heart of the hardest, most resistant person. And, give, and make them receptive to the gospel. The Lord knows how to take the simplest concept and the simplest word and make a point to those people he's trying to reach. So we're told that Jesus was proclaiming the good news. What's the good news? The good news is the gospel. That's what gospel means, good news. So if you're going to talk to somebody, keep the message simple and the news good. Don't start out with they're going to hell. Don't start with that. That's not the headline. The headline is eternal life. When you go into hell, that's in the business section. What are some of the simple messages of the good news of God? God is love and God loves you. That's a simple message of the good news. What about God sent his son to die for you as a sacrifice? What about God is good? What about God has made a way for you to have eternal life? What about the power of God will change your life forever? What about God heals? What about God delivers, God sets free? A simple message, a one-liner. When somebody is sick, a good news is that God heals. When you just got a message from the doctor that tells you you don't have long to live or you're going to have to live with this sickness and disease for the rest of your life, good news is the message of God that God heals. That person is ready to hear that news. That's good news. Not you must have been messing up in your life. You know, when you're a sinner, you can have stuff like that happen to you. That's not good news. The good news is God is able. Jesus had a simple message. And you see him making that simple message all throughout his preaching. And when he was given that simple message of God, but the people came to God because the message was simple, but it had the power of God behind it. He spoke as one having authority and one with power. The message can be simple, but it can be powerful. Listen, when we're going and, and we're sharing our faith by the Spirit of God and in the power of God, we don't have to put a whole lot of words with it. Just keep it simple. Jesus had a simplified message, so simplify yours. Secondly, Jesus' message was time-sensitive. 
not only did he proclaim the good news of God, the Bible says he came and said, you know, the time has come. This now is the time. This is the time. Something is about to change. There is an urgency. There is a new season. There is another move. Something has changed. So Jesus made it time sensitive. Things are changing. The old dispensation is passing away. The new dispensation is coming in. And you are about to, to experience things that heretofore have not been experienced. Jesus was saying something new is getting ready to happen. Times are about to change. And things are about to change for your life. Everybody, whether they want to be or not, has to be time sensitive. We only have a finite amount of time. No matter who we are, the clock is ticking and the sands are running through the hourglass in our lives. And it's going to run out one of these days. Everybody knows about time. When the Lord has given you and urging you to speak to somebody, that's their time. That's their window of opportunity for the Lord to have an entree into their lives. And if we miss that opportunity, then we miss that purpose that God has for us that day to speak into that person's life. Our message should have a time-sensitive element to it. Time is running out individually for us and collectively for us. Individually, every person has to account for their life. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. So everybody's going to die if you live long enough. We may not think about it. We may not want to think about it. But you got to tell them what's going to happen when you die. This is your time. You have an opportunity right now. You can't accept the Lord after you die. If we're still here long enough, Jesus is coming back. And it's going to be soon. When he comes back, the game clock is down to zero, zero. Another play. The whistle has been blown. The time is out. The game is over. Jesus is back. You can't say, now, wait a minute, Lord. No, the, the whistle is blown. The clock is run out. The ref is running off the field. The game is over. Everybody put the ball down. It's over. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk or how you live. Live purposefully and worthy and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity. The King James says redeeming the time. That means to buy up the opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. That's in the Amplified Version. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. The time is running out. We can't afford to be casual about our approach to what God has already put in our lives. We've already wasted too much time. We've already let too much time slip by in our lives without participating with what God wants to do in our lives. The time is sensitive for us. Jesus said, my time has come. My time is here. See, God gives us a window of opportunity to hear him. He gives us a window of opportunity to come to him. He gives us a window of opportunity to be used of him. And when that window is gone, that opportunity has passed us by. Jesus is saying to them, it's time for a change. And he's saying to us, it's time for a change. Most people will agree if they need change in their life, you know what they'll say? 
yes, I do need some things to change in my life. Most people. Very seldom when you run across someone who says, no, everything is just like I want it, and it is perfect. I don't want to change anything right now. I've worked real hard, and I've got everything precisely like I want it. Most people, whether they're rich or poor, they say, i, I got to change something. We were looking at a, a news magazine the other night where this man had one of the biggest uh, yachts in the world. Uh, after he played with it for a little while, he said, well, I'm going to sell it because I've got something else I want to do. They said, you invested this thing and you automated it and computerized it? He said, yeah, but I don't know. I want to do something else. I'm tired of it. I need change. So people need change. They say, well, I don't, you know, I got to get me another house. I got one over here and one over there, so I need another one over here. Everybody wants change. Jesus says, time for change. So when you talk to people, say, how would you like things to change in your life? It's time for a change. Is it time for a change in your life? A change for the better? Jesus Christ got good news about a change. The change that Jesus was proclaiming was that the kingdom of God was at hand. The time is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, the people didn't have a good grasp on what he was talking about then. That's why much of the New Testament gospels, Jesus is explaining and demonstrating what the kingdom of God is like. Read the parables. The parables said, now, the kingdom of God is like this. I want to show you how this thing functions. What is the kingdom of God? It's a new way of doing things. It's a God-ordered way of doing things. God has a system of principles and the way of functioning that if you would function by that, those principles and I put these things in your life, you're going to get principal results. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He said, the kingdom of God is real and is here and I come to usher in the change and I'm bringing the kingdom of God with me. It's God's way of doing things. It's an approach that you're not familiar with, he's telling them. You don't know how this kingdom of God works. How did he tell them? If you uh, want to be in charge, you just want to lord over other people. But if you want to be the master, you got to be the servant. He said, that's the way the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of man says, if I want to be the master, I get in this dog-eat-dog world. I do backstabbing. I climb over people. I do all that kind of stuff if I want to be the top dog. God says, if you humble yourself, I'll lift you up. He said, that's the way the kingdom of God works. If you want to receive, give. He says, it doesn't work like that. If you want more, give more. He even goes so far as to say stuff like, if somebody slap you on one side of the face... Did he say that? Do what? Turn the other cheek. No, we don't want to do that, do we? That hurts. But he said that's God's way of doing things. I don't think he's talking literally, but when somebody offends us, he says there's a way that we can respond to it that pleases God. Because when you don't turn the other cheek, that means that you're ready to fight. What did your mama tell you to do when somebody hit you? Hit them back, right? And your mama went to church. But you say, if somebody hit you, you hit them back. But Jesus didn't say that. He says, the kingdom of God is here. I'm going to show you a new way to do things. What's the kingdom of God? Is that God will accomplish miraculous things when we do things his way. Now, some of you have testimonies that God encouraged you to do some things or to take a particular action that you thought, man, this is strange and it might not be to my advantage, but God blessed you when you were obedient. 
God blessed you when you did exactly what he asked you to do. And you just thought, well, I don't know, this just goes against my very nature. Well, it should, because your nature is not God's nature. What's the kingdom of God? God will save. What's the kingdom of God? God will heal. What's the kingdom of God? God will open a door that's been closed. What's the kingdom of God? He'll make a way out of no way. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus said, look out. Something new is about to happen. The kingdom of God is at hand. Things are about to change. That was what his message was. The kingdom of God is here. Man is used to running things his way, but now I want you to function according to the principles of God. Obey God and be blessed. That's what Jesus was preaching. The kingdom of God is at hand. When you read through the Gospels, just read with that perspective and see how many times Jesus is saying, I want to show you how this thing functions. I want to show you how it works. It's hard for us to grasp that in our natural minds. So he gave parables to say this is what happens in the kingdom of God. He's in the kingdom of God. He says one plant, another one water, but God gives the increase. So he gave a message that was simple. He gave a message that was time sensitive. And then he gave a message of salvation. That message of salvation was repent and believe. Change your course from your self-directed life and yield yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ and let him direct your life. That is a message of salvation. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Repent. John the Baptist was saying, repent and be baptized. Jesus said, repent and believe. Believe on me and then begin to follow me. Notice this is his first message that is recorded when he came out of the wilderness after he got through fasting and praying and beating up on the devil. He came out and says, repent and believe. Believe on Jesus enough to place your trust in him for all aspects of your life. Here's a simple message. Just believe and just receive. What do I need to do to be saved? Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to be the Lord of your life. John chapter 14 verse 11 said this, Jesus was doing the talking. He said, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus did a lot of preaching about his disciples believing on him and believing in him. When you read this Gospels again, he would say, oh, Lord, help their unbelief. What is it going to take for you guys to believe what I'm telling you and believe in me that I'm giving you the kingdom of God principles that's going to help you to make it? In the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 29, when Paul and Silas was in jail and the jail doors became open, the jailer ran to them and said, what must I do to be saved? What do we need to do to be saved? What did they tell him? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. God is no respecter of persons. Somebody say, what do I need to do to be saved? Don't say you have to join the light of the world Christian fellowship. We don't save you. Joining this church does not save you. Believe in Jesus Christ. Accept him as your Lord and Savior and you'll be saved. Don't tell them you got to be baptized before they get saved. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus Christ saves you. Then you can be baptized. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, when he was talking about salvation. He said, if you would confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. That's what it takes. It takes that person believing and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. That's a personal, individual act that that person has that may look and feel a whole lot different than yours when you did it. Let me say that again. Because some people don't believe people receive Jesus Christ unless they act like you act when you got saved. Right? If you fell and roll on the floor, you want everybody to get saved, fall and roll on the floor. Because that's our experience. If you cried and laid before the Lord, you just think, well, everybody should do that. That's what it takes to be saved. No, it takes believing on Jesus Christ. And I got saved in my office. Nobody standing around, nobody praying, no altar call. Nobody there but me. Nobody say, call on him, son. Call on him. Nobody say, come on, you got it, you got it, you got it. But it was a genuine salvation. The only one that knows is genuine is the Lord. And it's between you and the Lord. Now, we can see the fruit of it after it happens. You ought to show some sign. There will be some fruit. If Jesus Christ is coming to your life, there will be some changes in your life. There's no doubt about it. If nothing changed, guess what? Nothing changed. You can't say you save and nothing changed. There's a change getting ready to come. Something is getting ready to be different. And when Jesus Christ comes into our lives, into the life of a person, that person changes. He says, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess that you are saved. Jesus Christ, after this passage in Mark, goes right out and began to select his disciples. And he said, I will make you fishers of men. But he wanted to give them the message that they needed to fish with. Keep the message simple. Be sure that it's time sensitive. And it's a salvation message. The Lord wants to change your life. And the Lord wants to save you. Don't spend all your time trying to get the people to come to church with you. Never tell them about Jesus. You know, what church you go to? Well, you ought to come to my church. We have a wonderful church. We have the best worship leader in town. Amen. We got the best pastor in town. But that's not what's important when you're talking to somebody who don't know Jesus Christ. What's important is what is your relationship with the Lord? Get to that. You don't have to be so religious. I was talking to a young lady at the office supply place. She says, well, I'm, I'm Catholic. And I said, well, just come on to the service. She said, what time does mass start? I said, mass starts at 10. I mean, I didn't try to say mass is a Catholic type thing. And, of course, we are spirit-filled. And No, no. Mass starts at 10. Okay, our mass perhaps a little bit longer than what you're used to, but it starts at 10. So come and join us for mass. You got to meet people where they are and introduce them to Jesus Christ. I believe there are many people who will come to the Lord if the gospel message was simple and understandable. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, Allow the Holy Spirit to use you and the simple gospel message to reach others who don't know him. If you are a follower of Christ, know that he wants you to live a life that's exemplary and represent the holiness that he requires and desires in the life of every believer. These are the days that we can make a big difference as we reach others for Christ. This is Jerry G. Martin. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear it again, 
go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can hear today's message and all of our previous messages that have aired on this station. Now, I give you my personal invitation to come and join us on Sunday morning. We're right here in the North Houston Humble area at 16161 Old Humble Road. Our Sunday morning services are at 10 a.m. Pastor Jackie Martin is in a brand new series called Unstuck, how to get out of the rut that is keeping you from doing all that God has required of you. Let me remind you as well of the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus for church supplies, communion supplies, books, and Bibles. You can get those right here. Just call us at 281-441-2885. That's 281-441-2885. If you would like more information about the light of the world, go to our website at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. Now for the light of the world. May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.